champions two years in a row Brian yeah but you guys are back in the doesn't matter what it looked like back in the playoffs looking forward to the playoffs playoff. go ahead sorry didn't mean to interrupt it's been wild and wild Butker is going to be returned by Carter going to take it at the goal line falls out and it's picked up in the air it's picked up in the air it's picked up and run all the way back oh man out to Paul Hamlin he made the video, but the video was too large for us to upload to StreamYard, so I couldn't show you guys the video. But, man, we're here, guys. We're here. We're here in a moment of happiness, a moment of greatness. Uh, we opened with Celine Dion, who is Jordan's country's hero. Um, facts. Facts. And, uh, you know, and our, my heart will go on uh, as Bill O'Brien has left because my love for the Texans is larger. Uh, welcome to Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am uh, James, and I am joined by my friends and co-host Jordan, aka Texans underscore Thoughts, and John A. Wade. And I, 
How are you guys feeling? How how are you feeling? John, take it away. Dude, I'm good. I I'm good. I'm I'm terrified for the rest of the season. I'm not gonna lie, but I'm I'm good. I mean, it, it had to be done. Like, unfortunately, this is nothing against Bill O'Brien as as a person. Like, we all we've all pretty much always been in agreement on that. But, dude. That game was so bad. I'm not even sure we're going to talk about the game because the Vikings game was just amongst one of the worst efforts that I've ever seen out of a professional football team. Like, that was Cleveland Browns' level of effort. Uh, Detroit Lions' level of effort. Um, it was bad against the bad team. So, you know, it had to be done. And I think that you can kind of feel it. I think I was the most active I've ever been on Twitter, and I'm usually a very positive voice out in the, out in the Texans universe, and I was not positive at all. And it was all agreement. There was no pushback. I think there was one person, and I just blocked him because I think he was just being a, an ass that was trying to be positive. But other than that, nope. It, it was known. It had to be done. Yeah, I'm I'm doing great. I'm so excited for the future now with this move because now there's actually hope for the future. There's hope for even the season. Like now we can start rooting for wins again. I mean, I was never with someone to root for at losses, but a lot of people were feeling that way. Um, but he's gone. The cancer is out of the franchise. It's really a new era, and I'm excited to get it started. We do have to get rid of one other cancer, which I'm sure we'll get to. But it's it's a good positive move so far. A good good way to turn around the season. I mean, if 2020 can only bring us this, then I'll deal with being quarantined. I'll deal with no friends. I'll deal with, you know, a pandemic. I'll literally deal with everything that has happened so far this year. Outside of Kobe Bryant, I would not sacrifice that. I would like to have him back and Chadwick Boseman. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, like, look, you know, I honestly love Bill the person, love him, and I don't expect other people to love him because they have no reason to. But, like, when we started the podcast three years ago or four years ago and three years ago, I sent him a random email asking him to come on a podcast, and he did. When he had – I mean, we had nothing at that time. I mean, we had, like, 300 listeners. We were doing nothing big. And he came on and did an interview with me for 20 minutes, like – he got nothing out of that. It did nothing for him as a coach. It did nothing for him as anything. I mean, God, it really did nothing for him. And so to me, I'm always going to be grateful for him. But as the coach, uh, he is he was just in too deep. He had too much he had too much responsibility, in my opinion. He had too much going on. I don't know how he could manage everything that was going on. GM, offensive coordinator. Um, you know, and then obviously some of the general manager moves of DeAndre Hopkins and debating Tony and things of that nature. But the, the future is bright. I'm with Jordan. Like, I actually wasn't rooting for the team to lose just because I just, I don't know, I just don't have that in me to actually root on my team to lose. But um, they lost, and we lost Bill O'Brien, and I feel good about the fact that we have a new head coach. I guess we'll get into, like, the other parts that don't make me feel so good. And it seems doesn't make a lot of people feel good, to be honest with you. I've never seen I've never seen an outrage the way I've seen on Twitter with Easterby still here. It's really been kind of insane to see like a collective go out. I mean Steph Stradley miss like she's not one to put stuff out there and she's telling people to email and things of that nature. 
Um, you know, so we'll get into Jack Easterby, but yeah, Jordan, I mean, we, we have a reason to root for the team. We have a reason to think that there's a chance that this team could grab that seventh seed uh, for the playoffs. I, I do think that's a really doable when I look at the schedule. I think there's a good chance. I was on the Jaguars podcast today. Like, I, I do think that there's a chance that something like that happens. Um, I mean, John, is it possible to make the playoffs still? Yeah, the way our schedule opens up, and our team has talent. I, I refuse to believe we are that – all the three of us are that bad at evaluating players that, that everything we said this offseason was incorrect. I still believe this team has talent. This team just wasn't playing to the strength of its talents. And, yeah, we should be – especially this year with the expanded seeds, we should be able to make the playoffs. Like, that should still be an expectation. Part of the reason we were all mad wasn't that we thought we were going to miss the playoffs. We thought that we were going to get to the playoffs and just do another stink bomb. Because, um, obviously, we went up against the, the biggest hitters in the AFC, and we looked absolutely lost. But now our our expectations have been reset. We'll get to see. We'll, I mean, we'll get to see a lot of different things. We'll, <laughs> So at this point, we can kind of enjoy, and we have things to look forward to. We didn't have look, we didn't have the opportunity to look forward to our draft this year. Like we don't have a first or second round pick. Um, we get to look forward to a coach, and I'm I'm willing to bet a, a new GM. I don't think Easter B is going to be named permanent GM. I just can't see that. Yeah, one thing I'm I'm looking forward to, and I think um, about the season is that there's really no pressure anymore. There's really no pressure whatsoever. No coach. No legit GM. We're not calling East to be a legit GM. Um, and with the interim coaches and everything we got, there is no pressure for us to actually contend for a Super Bowl, for for a division or whatever. So players can play free. They don't got to play under Bill O'Brien anymore, which people hated playing under him. You could tell, especially in the last game. And, and I got some conspiracy theories about that last game and, and the effort that was put into that. But um, I think the team, I think they're going to rally behind Romeo Crennel, they're going to rally behind Tim Kelly, some guys who who you've like you've only heard good things of from players, and I think we're going to see a much better effort going forward. And like like John said, like there's talent on the team. The main thing was the offense was holding us back, and with the play with different play calling, whatever it is, Bill O'Brien out the building, it's all Tim Kelly. There's no one just kind of breathing over his shoulder and forcing him into things that he might not want to do. It could look a lot different. We don't know for sure. Because Tim Kelly, at the end of the day, is still a Bill O'Brien disciple. That's all he's ever been coached under. But it could look different, and that's the reason. That's enough of a reason for me to be excited about the rest of the season. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think um, playoffs is definitely definitely a possibility. The schedule, I think, I forget who tweeted out, but I think we still have the seventh hardest schedule for the rest of the season, according to I think it was Football Outsiders. Um, but it all comes down to winning the divisional games. That's what it all comes down to because the Titans, they're, they they're strong this year. The season. <laughs> yeah. Who? The Titans. The Titans. They got they all, they got COVID to worry about now. COVID taking out half their team. Uh, the cool. Colts look strong. The Jags, Jags, we got to win this next game. I think it's a must win if for our like playoff aspirations this week, obviously. Um, but yeah, anything happens, AFC South. So we're playing for you, and we got something to look forward to. So that's great. Yeah. Um, real quick, I want to answer this. Um, I, I watched the interview with this dude, Garrick Jones. I'll be honest with you. This, I'm not trying to start any problems or like say anything, but this guy is no different than me, Jordan or John running as general for like a campaign for general manager. Nice guy. 
But he literally says the exact same thing the fans say. Like, a, a normal person could literally point out what needs to be done on this roster. Like, it, it doesn't take a genius to see where the talent is lacking and what needs to be done. Um, I, I mean, it's great. I'm glad. Glad that he wants to. But if we hire some dude off the street, I, I'll probably become a Buffalo Bills fan. I'll be dead, dead, dead honest. Um, so just to kind of put a pin in that. Um yeah, I mean, you know, I actually had a segment on this show before Bill O'Brien got fired because I had to, you know, shred my notes. That we were going to start talking about what team we wanted to be. <laughs> I want to. I, I, the reason that I brought that on is you keep bringing up the Buffalo Bills. Why? Why are you so in love with the Buffalo Bills, James? I, I just want to ask that real quick. I've loved Josh Allen for the last three years. I'm going to be honest. I'm really mad that Matt, Matt Weston is now like the the Buffalo Bills, like, guy on Twitter, because I have been talking about Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills since Sean McDermott went there. And now Matt Weston has taken charge of the Buffalo Bills Texans Twitter. He has broken down Josh Allen film every single week, and I'm getting sick and tired of the fact that I can't have my Bills back. Um, but, no, uh, just kidding. Obviously, I have no problem with Matt. But, no, I just I, – I think, one, the, the thing about the Bills for me is just they – you, you watched them literally turn it around. I mean, it was a dramatic change. It went, they've gone from a laughing stock in the NFL for the last 25 years since they were in back-to-back Super Bowls in, what, 95, 96 against the Cowboys to a team that is exciting. They have an amazing fan base. But the culture that Sean McDermott uh, and, and, and Bean are building in that, in, in that building is amazing. When you look at the development that Josh Allen has had over the last three years, it's really incredible to watch because I can't think of the last time I've seen a team be able to develop a quarterback the way that the Buffalo Bills have been able to do so. And that, to me, like you're watching, you watch the Jets. They have done nothing with Darnold. You watch what the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen. You're seeing what's happening with Daniel Jones, who's shown so much talent, in my opinion. Um, he looks like a natural thrower, but they've done nothing to support him. And then you look at the Bills, and, and then you look at us too, right? Like, Deshaun is a top-tier talent. He's better than Josh Allen. And yet, you know, we're still seeing, you know, I don't know, like whatever the fuck we've been seeing from this organization for the last four years. But um, And, like, the Bills just get better. They get better every year. And uh, I just like Josh Allen. I think he's really good. I like the weapons. I, I, I like everything about the Bills. I'll be, it's really hard to not like anything about the Bills. That's just my opinion. I, I could be wrong. They could go, you know, be a one and done in the playoffs, but they have it on defense. They have it on offense. Um, and I think they're going to be around for a while. No, I mean, they've done a good job up there. I'm just trying to figure out the in, the infatuation that you have. So, yeah. fair enough. That's why I want Dabble, but we'll get into yes. <laughs> well, we are 100% in agreement on that, but he may be my number one candidate. It's it's tough between him. Him and Benamy are 1A and 1B for me. Um, but I, Dabble has has my lead a little bit, but I, I we'll get into that later. Yeah, so um, I don't even know where we're – honestly, there's, we're really off the cuff tonight. Uh, I didn't see an agenda. I don't think we have an agenda. I don't know. Yeah, I had to toss it. Yeah, I, I, just, you, I can give you what I have left of it. But. No, I just don't think we needed it. I mean, look, at the end of the day, when we look at this organization, we know that the talent is there. It may not be the most, uh, you know, obscure talent in the NFL, but there, there's a lot of talent on this team. I still like the offense. You know, do I like the offense better with DeAndre Hopkins? Yes. Like, anybody should. But, like, there's still talent on the offense. Like, he definitely has weapons. 
Um, and, and to me, I just really want to see what this offense can look like. I really want to see, is Tim Kelly really the genius we heard about all offseason? You heard, people, you know, smart football people say this guy is really smart. He, he's going to be very creative. And then, you know, we didn't see any of that. So I guess, Jordan, what are we looking for for the next 12 weeks? I guess what what I'm looking for is it's honestly just like a trial and experimental phase for these next few games, for the rest of the season. Um, we're going to see if the play calling, if there is actually a change, if Tim Kelly deserves to have a role going forward with this organization. We're going to look at if the offensive line can make any improvements because they've not been great. I don't expect them to really get better because Mike Devlin is still there, and I still think Mike Devlin has his hands in, in on the offensive line and they're hurting them. Um, but we're also going to be able to look at kind of – how Deshaun Watson is progressing without Bill O'Brien kind of, in my opinion, hurting him. Um, even looking at the last Viking games, which I know we're not going to get into very much, but he looked like he was just thinking more than actually just playing. And I think that's a big issue I have with his entire Bill O'Brien scheme. And so if that's changing a little bit with Tim Kelly, um, I'll be interested to see the progression that Deshaun can make because we do expect him to get better. We talked a big talk about him being an MVP caliber player and hoping, hopefully we can see that through the rest of the season. Um, the only last thing I want to see is kind of just more um, from, like, the rookies. If this really isn't a competing season, we get to see the rookies play some more. Maybe Isaiah Coulter comes off of IR, more Grenard, more Blacklock. Um, maybe experience some more, like, throw Lonnie back at cornerback, um, have Max Sharping, make sure that he's playing all the snaps at left guard instead of Kelamente. Like, we should be seeing what we got with this roster, Who play? which players are going to make it into, like, the next regime, you know what I mean, and which players we gotta got to move on from. Yeah. John, what are you looking for over the next 12 weeks? I want to see something out of Tim Kelly. Um, I can't really quote the source on it because we don't talk about it anymore, but apparently Tim Kelly was the guy that did most of the cut-ups for when they designed Deshaun's um, offense in 2017, his rookie year. So this is Tim Kelly that went out there and found the things that, A, Deshaun could do well, and, B, that they could implement into the NFL. This is why he was apparently the one that jumped up so high in the offensive room. So if he's that creative, I want to see what he can do without the presence of Bill O'Brien over him the entire time. Because let's be honest, we didn't see anything different. Uh, I mean, honestly, the Vikings game was probably called better than the previous three games, but, I mean, not by much. And with that, it was just the play design was more more developed. For Tim Kelly, so far this year, our offense has essentially looked like a poor man's Bill O'Brien, like a poor imitation of a Bill O'Brien offense. And I don't know who, who that is on. Is that on Tim Kelly? Because he's not had a lot of um, experience as an offensive coach in the NFL. Like, he's only had it under Bill O'Brien. He hasn't learned anybody else's system. He hasn't had the chance to go out there and develop his own system. So, yeah, that's going to be very, very interesting to see because if he's supposedly a genius, he'll go out there and he'll figure it out. If he's supposedly the guy that got all the cut-ups and was able to put things together, he'll adapt. And maybe when you're out there and he's YOLO in it, like he's – this is his only chance. Without Bill O'Brien in the NFL, he has no chance for another job. He has to go out there and show out. So I think that we're going to see some things that maybe are impressive or maybe out there just going out there and not giving, not giving it. I, I can't ever remember if we can curse or not, um, but just going out there and going nuts. And 
that'll at least be fun to watch. And the players seem to like it. Like, the players really seem to like it. So I look forward to, to that. The thing that I'm kind of concerned about is Romeo Cornell was the guy that always kept the locker room together. Like, the more and more you put two and two together, the reason that he took over for, as an interim head coach to a full head coach in Kansas City is I forgot this, that the Kansas City players actually cornered Pioli and requested to keep rack. They told him to stop the coach search. Like, the players love him. So if he comes out there and the team plays up to their talent because now they're out there playing free, they're out there playing with no pressure, I don't want to say I – don't, I don't mean this as any disrespect to Rack, but I don't want to get stuck with Rack either. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but you never know because obviously Texans – the Texans' front office is a little bit dysfunctional. Um, and then I'm very, very concerned about the offensive line. Typically – there's usually more than one coach when the head coach gets fired. Usually his closest guys get get let go as well. But we've put ourselves into this – or Bill O'Brien put himself into the situation where he was not only the GM, he also had the least coaches on staff in the entire league. So you can't even cut people that aren't carrying their weight because you can't hire people right now. Everybody has a job that's worth having a job. Everybody's under contract for somebody, even if it's just as – a offensive quality control. They have, they're getting a paycheck so nobody else can hire them. That's kind of the, why that happens. And you would have to poach them from college. And who's going to bail on a college team mid-season? I mean, it may happen, but do you really want that type of person out on your coaching staff? So it's going to be very, very interesting. Um, but what I really look forward to, just going back to tie a bow on it, is the offense playing loose because I think they will play loose. Um, all right, so I guess before we get into before we get into kind of the head coaches that we're looking at, um, let's talk about some of the changes that we're hoping to see with everybody. You know, with him gone, you know, will the goat will the goat take the snaps? How much was Bill O'Brien holding on to something like that? Uh, you know, is Kiki QT going to get snaps? is, you know, what's going to – is Max Sharping going to go back to left guard? God, I hope so. You know, is Mike Devlin going to be able to coach better? Um, you know, is B.O.B.? Who knows? I mean, honestly, like, would you, would, it, would you put it past Bill O'Brien holding back a coach? Like, I honestly – I can't say that I, I, I could. I could see Mike Devlin being able to – like, I could see Bill O'Brien walking by the, the O-line one day and be like, oh, you know, they need to lower their pads. Lower their pads, they need to be almost on the ground. Like, or, you know, whatever he would say, just something stupid. And then making him practice in another way. Like, Jordan, what is the biggest thing that you're looking for, you know, out of the, out of this team and also just from a roster development aspect? Like, what are we thinking and what do we want to see? Yeah, I think I alluded to it before, but basically just a willingness to, experiment and a willingness to kind of prioritize the young guys on this roster. Like you said, Jacob, the goat Martin. Um, I think before Anthony Weaver, he definitely didn't have the, I guess the power to say, Hey, I'm going to bench our, I'm going to bench Whitney merciless. You know, I don't think he honestly had the power to do that over Bill O'Brien. Does he now that he's gone? We still don't know. We, we might never know for sure, but I think that's something that needs to, that we need to look at. Um, yeah, you basically said it all. Like uh, Max Sharping, like he definitely deserve, doesn't deserve his snaps to be taken away. Um, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with Lonnie Johnson because I don't know 
who was like kind of the mastermind behind his position change, whether that was Weaver, whether that was Bill O'Brien. Weaver seems like a smart man. I don't think it was Weaver. I think it was Bill O'Brien. And so if we see Lonnie get some snaps back at cornerback, then that'll be our definitive answer. Um, but those young guys, they're very important for the future because of the lack of draft picks that we have in this next draft. And so your Lonnie Johnsons, your Max Sharpings, your um, Charles Omenahus, those types of guys, they need to get all the time on the field as possible to develop. Your Ross Blacklocks, your Jonathan Grenards, maybe even we see Charlie Heck. You never know. I don't want to see him, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. <laughs> Take it easy, buddy. Uh, yeah, that's it for me. Okay, uh, John. What are you What are you looking for most? Uh, let's talk players specifically. What do you want to see out of these you know, coaches? Because here's one of the things that I think people need to think about, and I brought this up last night. But you know, Tim Kelly basically followed Bill O'Brien everywhere he went, right? Tim Kelly might have a job as a tight end coach on another team next year, but if he comes in and, and lights this league on fire, and the offense looks like it, like we expected it to look and they're putting up 35, 40 points a game, he's basically interviewing for his next job. Not yeah. here, not here, but somewhere else. Anthony Weaver, too. So do you guys, or John specifically, do you see this being an opportunity where we see things that we just never thought we would see done with Deshaun Watson? Man, I hope so. Um, I touched on it a, a couple of minutes ago. They're going out there, and they are literally coaching for their future. Uh, Weaver, people have talked about him like a future head coach. Like, he, he's fine. He may not be a def- defensive coordinator next year, but Weaver, no problem whatsoever. Tim Kelly is attached to Bill O'Brien in a way that I don't think any other coach is. In a way, in a way real quick, that I don't think anybody wants to be. Correct. That is absolutely correct, especially with the way that this has turned out. He has to go out there, and the offense has to produce. And which is funny because I think it was John McClain of all people that said that that people see Tim Kelly as a future head coach, like that's how re- well regarded he is. But what has he done? Like what has he legitimately done? We still the way that this organization the organization has kind of masked everything. We still don't know who was responsible for what. Even if we sit here and we talk about Easterby, we talk about the offense. The only thing we know for sure is Weaver's running the defense, but everything else is so fuzzy. Anything that Bill O'Brien had his hands in, who did what was so fuzzy. So, yeah, Kelly has to go out there and he has to absolutely show out. He has to be aggressive. He has to go out there and score points. He has to go out there and be creative. If he goes out there and does a repeat of the first three weeks, he's not going to be in the NFL. Yeah. No, I agree. Um I want to see, you know, I, I really want to see Weave and, and Tim, I want to see them be able to just have full control. And I expect that to be the case with Rack as the interim head coach, because I, I don't think he's going to do a lot of mis, like managing and micromanaging. I think really it's going to be more, hey, guys, go do your thing. Um, because I, I think it just makes the most sense for, for – because Rack's really like a, a, a player's coach, a coach's coach. He wants to see them succeed. He wants to put them in a position to, and I just don't expect a ton of um, micromanaging from Rack. I think Tim Kelly has a great opportunity to really make a name for himself and separate himself from Bill O'Brien because all he knows is Bill O'Brien. So he's really going to have an opportunity to show some different things. Weave has already shown positives throughout the season, his adjustments, 
Um, the way his scheme, his scheme in general, uh, the way he utilizes his players outside of like putting Jacob Martin in coverage for some reason, but you know, that's another conversation for another day. Um, but so I think both coordinators really have an opportunity to make a name for themselves. So that's really like the most ideal thing that I'm looking forward to is, you know, the, the, they have no pressure, like Jordan said, but at the, like the players have no pressure, but I feel like the coaches have a ton. I feel like the coaches have so much pressure this year for the remainder of the year because they really are interviewing for their next position and they have the per they have a blank canvas right now. They can just go paint and do what they need to do. Tim Kelly's going to make mistakes. I don't expect him to just go to 2017, watch the film, do a bunch of jet motions and play actions and it just work. That was a totally different offense, but um, he has the players to be able to execute. Um, I want to answer Chris's question. He brought up Robert Sally or however you say his name. Does anyone have an opinion on Robert Sally, D coordinator from the Niners? He could, I love him. I love him. I just don't. Keeps the team uh, defense together despite all injuries. Here's my here's my concern, and then, John, I'll let you get to it. Uh, that defense is, like, one of the most talented defenses I've ever seen in my entire life. They have six first-round picks on the defensive line. They have two really good corners. They have fast linebackers. Like, when I just – I don't want to, like, discredit him, but it's also kind of like the Eric Bieniemy thing. Like, when you look at Eric Bieniemy and you look at, the, on paper, the type of players he has, like – I mean, sure, a bad coach like Bill O'Brien could mess that up, but, like, an average coach could make those players look really good. On defense with Robert Sally, like, those – I mean, they, they really have – like, they have a stout defense. And a lot of it is per, – it's personnel. So I guess that's my only concern with him is, I, you know, how much is it coaching and how much is it, uh, you know, the players. But, John, go ahead. Well, I was going to say part of that is – you have to have a coach that gets the most out of that talent because it is possible to have a coach that absolutely knows dodge your talents. But my concern, and I was, I, I put it in chat, was yes, defensive coaches can thrive in the league. However, it's becoming more and more of an offense league, and specifically with the Texans, the way our offense is constructed is you need somebody that can come in and get the most out of those weapons. And you know, be a stabilizing force on that side of the ball. I think that Sally would be a great head coach. I don't think that we are the right franchise for him because whomever's going to come in is going to come in with a completely different system. Nobody's going to run that system except for Josh McDaniels. And even the Patriots have kind of deviated away from that, um, especially this year with Newton, even more so last, and even so last year when they went to a more of a power running game. So, I don't think that you're, you're going to need a special sort of offensive mind that can come in and teach the guys essentially a new language, um, especially Deshaun, a new language. And then you want somebody that's consistent. So you don't want them to come in. Say if Sally comes in, we, he brings in a great coordinator that plays to the strengths of Deshaun. That coordinator is gone the next year. You do need an offensive mind coach to kind of stir in the right, to just send us in the right direction. Because I mean I like Sally or is it how do you say it? Is it Sally? I don't know. I think it's Sala. Sala? I think it's Sala? Robert Sala. Okay. Yeah. I mean he him and the Colts def- defensive coordinator, I'm not even gonna try and say his name because I'm gonna mess that one up too. Um those are actually my two favorite candidates out there for most jobs, just not this job. And if we got either one of those guys, I would be over the moon with it. Like I'm not gonna be disappointed. But if I was leading the co- Leading the search, I would look for a guy that can bring stability 
to an offense because we have way too much talent to not be averaging over 30 points a game. Uh, yeah. I like Salah a lot, I think, um, to Chris's point. Like, yeah, there's a lot of talent on the team, but the 49ers, even especially last year, they dealt with a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball, and they still had their guys ready, all their backups. They still they didn't really have much of a drop-off. So, um, But I definitely – I know what you're saying, uh, James, with her, with talent. Um, the other thing – so, yeah, like John said, like – I could hear you, so sorry. D-line healthy all of last year? They have like six, six first-round picks on the D-line. That's mostly what I was talking about because their pass rush was really – Yeah, they lost their team. Yeah, they lost Quan Alexander. They lost one of their starting safeties, one of their starting cornerbacks. They still had definitely a lot of talent on the D-line. But um, anyways, the thing about uh, Sala, and so like I kind of like going into defensive, a defensive head coach because, and to kind of play devil's advocate to John, your point um, about like you need an offensive guy. Like if you're getting a defensive head coach, then they're going to just let the offensive coordinator do their thing. They're not going to be Bill O'Brien. They're not going to have their hands all over the offense and be – too much, too um, too power hungry with that, and, and just be breathing down their neck, right? They're gonna let them do their thing, and so with Salah in particular, I really like Mike Lafleur, who is the 49ers passing game coordinator. So he's with the Lafleur Shanahan coaching tree, which really thrives off of outside zone play action, um, which is something that Deshaun can thrive in. And so if that's gonna be the guy that he can bring, because the other thing we have to think about with these coaching candidates is who are their connections? Who are they gonna bring to be their OC, their DC, their O line coach, right? A guy like Lincoln Riley, who is someone who I like a lot and a lot of people like, he's from college. Who's he going to bring from college to be his OC, to be his DC? Robert Sala in NFL, he's got NFL experience already. He's got NFL connections. And if he can take someone like Michael Furr from the 49ers, that could be a really good pairing. Um, so I, I'm definitely high on Sala. Yeah, I'll, I'll, so let's get – well, let's get into Eric Bainemi because he's the answer that everybody has. He's the answer that everybody, everybody believes that Eric Bainemi the guy. And I'm not going to be the one that says he is not the guy. I'm just going to play devil's advocate and I'm going to tell you my points. Now, I do want to address what you said. A defensive-minded head coach, in my opinion, is the path because of Jordan's point. You basically are, you you have a guy that you know is going to take care of the defense and hire the right guy that implements his scheme. But he also is going to let the offensive guy do the offensive stuff. And, And it's going to be his baby. So, you know, I see a lot of people like, oh, it has to be an offensive coach because of Deshaun. It has, I, don't, I don't believe that. I actually think that you go the other route. I think you, you let an offensive coordinator come in, build a relationship with Deshaun, and that's what the offense looks like. And the defensive guy manages the defense. But um, Eric Bieniemy, um, look, I get I, – I, that offense is amazing. Those players are amazing. Patrick Mahomes is the best. But – I just, I don't know. I don't know why I have reservations. I just am worried that it's all Andy Reid. I, I don't, Randy Reid was doing this before Eric Bieniemy was called in place. The offense looks no different. And I guess that's my only issue. But Jordan, I want to hear from you because I know that's your number one guy. Yeah, he's, as like my initial thoughts, he's definitely my number one guy because, and I have a couple of reasons for that. Number one, talking about the whole Andy Reid thing, I think we could say that about a lot of different coordinators. Um, you could say like, um, you know what I mean? Like you, you never really know who 
is doing this on their own and who is just a product of the system. And we're not going to know that until we hire the person. And so I don't, I don't know. I don't really, I know where you're coming from, but I don't think it's the biggest part of concern. Um, with the enemy though, I think one thing that is really important for me is the, le- is the amount of years of experience that he has over some other guys. He's been the running backs coach since 2013. And I know running backs coach is not the same as offensive coordinator, but he has very like, long NFL experience with this system. He knows it, the ins and outs. And when he became OC is when Patrick Mahomes really blew up. And I think there has to be a correlation there. And he is calling plays. I know that's like kind of a big thing with him. It's like, oh, he's not actually calling plays. I was watching the game last last night or two nights ago. But he's out there. He has the play sheet. I see him calling the plays. So I don't know why, where that's come from. But um, the enemy, like, he's just he's going to be able to know how to utilize the talent on the team. I think, yeah, you could say that our, our players are built similarly to all the guys, but they might not be the exact same elite talent, but they're all in the same types of mold. Like, you got an athletic tight end in Kelsey. Sure, he's not as good as him, but you got a, a freaky speed wide receiver in Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks. Sure, he's not as talented as Tyreek Hill, but the molds and the archetypes of the players that they succeed with is all there. The only thing that we don't really have is, like, that freaky athletic running back because we don't know what David Johnson is going to – is if he's going to be on the team next year or not. Um, but – Bienemy, so far, he's definitely the favorite. I think he's just going to know how to elevate the talent of a young quarterback. Like, he did that with Patrick Mahomes, and, and that's what we really need. That's the number one thing. It's all got to be about Deshaun, and I think he's the favorite, the early favorite, but I'm not going to, like, pencil him in as the only guy that I want. Yeah, I, my only thing is, like, when I look at 2021, Will Fuller's likely not on the team. Brandon Cooks is at a $25 million cap hit. Um, you know, Kenny Stills is gone. So, right now, as of you know, looking at the roster, you have Isaiah Coulter, Randall Cobb, and Kiki QT, and then George Dickens. So I guess that's really probably my biggest issue is, you know, and where are they going to come from? Where are the players going to come from? They're not going to come from the draft. There's ways to get out from under the cap. Me and me and Andrew were doing the math today. You can get about $54 million, so you could potentially sign Wolf or Brandon Cooks or restructure Brandon Cooks' deal, which I think is likely what will happen, um, just looking at, at the cap. But, um, yeah, so and, – and I know people – if anybody knows me, don't make this a race thing. Okay, this has literally nothing to do with Eric the enemy being black. So don't, please don't bring that up. I've already had you guys do it twice. Um, I just, I, I just wonder how much is him, and that's my only concern. That's it. Has nothing. To, and I, you're right. The only way we'll really know is if we hire him. And I won't be upset if we hire Eric the enemy. Um, I, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I, I understand. But I, I think there's other guys that I'd rather have than Eric the enemy. Um, as he is in, he's been in a pretty a, a perfect situation for the last four years. And to me, like I don't want a coach that's been in a perfect situation for four years. I want a coach that's going to evolve and adapt to his players and the skill sets, and be able to install a game plan that is built around those players. And I just haven't seen that from being me, and that's my biggest concern. So. Um, I was just going to point out that Andy Reid's coaching tree actually has a fair amount of success, though. Yeah, they do. So that's one thing he does have going for you. Um, the reason that I've got Ben and B at 1B instead of 1A is double, double. <laughs> that's a, I'm going to call him Dabo because it's just the way my accent works. Um, he had Josh Allen, Ben and B had Pat Mahomes. I give him bonus points for turning Josh Allen into a very respectable quarterback. And other than that, neck and neck, over the moon if we get either one, I will not complain either way. I mean, there's the only 
head coaching candidate out there from everything that's been floated that I would be really mad about is if we get a retread. If we get somebody that's been in the league, even if that's Jim Harbaugh, uh, if we somehow still John Harbaugh, I'm over the moon excited, but Jim Harbaugh has gone up to Michigan and not done anything. Like, I don't want to retread. Give somebody else a chance. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, just really quick on some comments. Sorry, just really quick on the like the enemy dab all thing. Um, when I was sorry, when I was saying about like the enemy has years of experience, I'm I'm, I'm talking about like uh, for it's, we've seen his offense for three years now be really successful. And the thing with Dabble and some other names like Brian Schottenheimer, the OC for the Seahawks, like this year, yeah, they've seen huge jumps in their production, but it's been one year. That's all we've seen. People, especially with Schottenheimer, Schottenheimer Seahawks fans hated him up until this year. And I heard a lot of criticism for Dabble the past few years as well. It was only been this year. And so that's just what kind of worries me is like, I wouldn't say like one, one year wonders or say, but just, we haven't seen it for years on years on years, well, and their ability Dabble to adjust the, over the years. Of the, of the three, Dabble's had the most success. Correct. And he's also taken the worst quarterbacks and gotten the most out of them. Now, he's also the oldest, which is a concern. But, I, I mean, yeah, it took three years for Buffalo not to be mad at him. He was working with Josh Allen. <laughs> he was working with a guy that should have played tight end, but the only reason that they didn't move him to tight end is, is skin color. Um, because if he was black and he threw like that coming into the league, you know they would have made him change positions. And Dabble turned him into something. Good. Oh, that was pretty much it. I I do very much like Dabble. I need to dive into his scheme more because I haven't watched as much of the the Bills that I have as the Chiefs. Um, I think what's interesting to look at, I guess, is is how much of how much can you credit Dabble for Josh Allen's rise. Because Allen was always a super high potential dude, just like Mahomes, and I guess you could you could make the argument for both guys, the enemy and Dabal, is who was actually um, who actually gets the credit? Is it Dabal and the enemy, the OCs? Is it their quarterback coaches? Do they have like personal quarterback coaches? Like, do they have their own Quincy Avery that is making them these great quarterbacks? You know what I mean? So I guess I can go both ways, but I just I don't I'm not as confident in Dabal at the moment. Um, I'll say this. To me, I think um, I think Dabble. When you look at what he's accomplished, and yeah, you're right. Like if you're looking at the offense this year only and, and comparing it to the past, these are top. This is a top-notch offense the Buffalo Bills are putting together. But if you look at what he's done since he took Josh Allen as a rookie, and the steps Josh Allen took in year two, and then the steps Josh Allen took in year three, for me, when I look at a coach, I look at development and I look at player progression. And that's what I've seen from Dabble, and that's the part that interests me the most, is that he's able to develop his quarterback to get to the next level. Bill O'Brien was unable to do so. And Eric Bieniemy didn't really have to do much as far as development with Mahomes. Mahomes stepped on the field and was the best quarterback, you know, immediately, right? And then, so I guess that's my only concern. I, I Like I said, look, any of them are upgrades. Any of them are going to be better. Any of them are going to put us in a position to win because we have Deshaun. But at the end of the day, I think that's really my biggest issue is just that part of it. And um, I guess that's that's really like the only thing I have about it. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say you're wrong, I'm right. I'm just voicing my my concerns about it. And nobody will know because if we do, he'd be a head coach already. 
Yeah, and and to play devil's advocate, I think Bienemy would deserve some, at least some credit of developing Mahomes because he did have to sit that entire rookie year. They did not see that he was ready um, when they had Alex Smith, and so you would you would think that Bienemy did some development as well. And I get that he, when he did play in his sophomore year, he was he was amazing, but. Sitting that entire year, he was very raw out of Texas Tech. He was not the type of quarterback that he is today. So I think BNB does deserve some some credit there. Well, I mean – I don't know where you're coming from. And I'm just, again, further devil's advocate on this because we're all kind of just talking in circles, even though I think we'd, we we actually agree with most points. Uh, Pat Mahomes, still not the best at reading a defense, but the way the offense is set up and his physical skills, it doesn't matter. And I don't know if that's credit to Benemy or a knock on Benemy that they're still able to set the offense up in a way that even if Pat Mahomes isn't quite sure what coverage is, it doesn't matter. So, well, here's the thing: everybody's fucking open. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just a, like that's everybody is open. You don't you don't really need to read the defense. See guy throw guy. See guy throw guy. See guy throw guy. So. I mean, I've never. I mean, I've seen tech window throws from Mahomes, but I don't see them often because it seems like everybody is Andre Johnson and they're just by themselves on an island somewhere, and then out of nowhere a safety comes as soon as they catch the ball. So, uh, I, I like, like I said, I I like the enemy. I just wonder who's uh, the offense is amazing. You really can't. They just won a Super Bowl. Mahomes is like the best quarterback on the planet. I just want to know if he can. Adapt, and that's that's it. We won't know. We won't know. So at the end of the day, it is what it is. All right, let's talk about this guy. Let's talk about this guy for a little bit. <laughs> the uh, Dabo without any football knowledge? Jack Easterby. Can I give you guys a theory? I just want I, – I, can I throw a theory out there, and then you guys just say, James, you're an idiot? Or, you know what, that actually might make some sense. All right. So – you guys know, I mean, you guys have been following the team just as long as I have. Prior to 18 months ago when Jack Easterby joined the league, our team, how much information leaked from this organization and news broke and, and things, stories and things of that nature prior to Easterby getting here? How often did you hear of those things happening? Anybody? Never. Never, Never really. Never. Not at all, right? And then Easterby comes, and all of a sudden, there's little birds. They start to put things together. Michael Irvin is told about baby mamas and uh, things of that nature. And now all this stuff that's coming out today, there was a bunch of other stuff, too, that was happening. I, I think this guy put a whole smear campaign, and I'm not saying that he's wrong for it. Maybe he just believed that Bill O'Brien wasn't the guy before, like, literally the entire world did. But, uh but still, I, I think this guy's a total freaking snake. And I don't want this guy a part of our organization. I don't want him evaluating our football operations. I don't want him interviewing head coaches. I don't want him doing anything that is related to football. I want him here until the end of the year for stability and then gone. Does anybody have any thoughts on Jack Easterby? I think you're absolutely right. I think – he is he's a snake. Everything that you read about him from his time with the Patriots, he does people dirty and he is a power he might be more power hungry than Bill O'Brien. And there was even a report today that 
was saying that Bill Bryan didn't even want the GM job. It was Cal that actually just gave it to him and be like, okay, this is it. You got all the keys now. No one else to blame. So I think he might honestly be even more power hungry than Bill O'Brien. And that is a big problem that he's still here. And that the report, the early reports are is that he's going to have a say in who the new head coach is. That is very scary to me because that says, because that's usually what the GM right. does. And if he's going to retain the GM title or whatever they want to call it, football, president football operation, whatever, his Q-tip head looking ass, like, I, I don't know, man. Oh, don't do John like that. <laughs> don't do John like that. Y'all are just y'all are just saying all bald white guys. They all look like thumbs. No, yeah, Jordan, I agree. I mean, I think it's interesting. Like, look, this this is what I think here is that he's in charge. He's already got relationships with Patriots guys, and the Patriots guys come in, and we're Patriots 2.0 again. And it's the same old thing. It's rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. I want a fresh start. I want all new. I want nobody here from this regime. I want a completely new coaching staff, front office, scouting, analytics, PR. I want it all. I want everybody. The only people that need to stay are Mark Vandermeer and Andre Ware. Drew Doherty can stay too because he's cool. But outside of that, the rest of those guys, they all got to go. I don't want anybody that was a part of this regime to be a part of that, this this next team or organization. Whoever would like to go. John, I think you can be sure. Yeah, Jack Easterby's got to go as well. Um, just He's a Gamecock. The, do what? He's a Gamecock, isn't he? No, he went to Newberry. He played, he, he played golf in college. Like, he wasn't even – he's not a football guy. He played golf in college. Um, Newberry is like a small – it's a small college in between Greenville and Columbia. Um, I believe it's Christian. I'm not sure. But it's itty-bitty. Um, and, yeah, he, he he needs to go. I'm in complete agreement. I'm terrified that he'll try and bring uh, McDaniels down, and I don't want any more Patriots. Um We've talked about – in my mind, McDaniels falls under the retreads. He had his chance. There's a reason he failed. He goes back to New England. It's – I don't want to touch another Patriots coach. I do not want to bring in the Patriots system. I'm done with that. Let's try something new. Um, let's try something that actually gets the most out of our players instead of trying to force them into other roles. Like, I, I've come I've come back around. Like, I want to – I want to try and get the most out of our players instead of attacking the other team's weakness. Like, I just want to go out and ball out because we have the players to do it. Now, Easterby, I mean, they can find him a role just as long as it has nothing to do with football because he doesn't have any knowledge about football. Like, other than being a preacher, how on earth are you going to put a football team together? You're going to walk in, so I like this man's soul. I mean, that's great. But that's not your job. Like that, nobody gets hired like that. And based on his experience, that's all he's qualified to say. He doesn't know what a good coach is. He doesn't know how to build a facility or to build the facilities around them. He doesn't know how to manage a salary cap. He doesn't know how to negotiate contracts. What on earth does he know how to do? He knows how to listen to people. Great, great skill. That is awesome. That doesn't create winning football. Find him like a VP role or something that he's off to the side. VP annotation. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Who, who, whatever. Just find somebody that actually knows football to run the actual organization. Yeah. 
No, that's that's my biggest issue is the fact that this dude knows nothing about football. He's going to be making football decisions. And another thing, and like I don't, I'm not a religious person, so I'm not going to like trash religion. But if he is this hardcore Christian dude, then that means the high character guys are going to stay. The high character guys are going to have their shot. The high character guys are going to be what we build the team around, and we're going to miss out on talent again. We're going to continue to miss out on talent. We're going to continue to not – because here's the thing. Like, in college, the head coaches are – they're on-field coaches and off-field coaches. They are here to help develop you on the field, but also develop you as an adult and as a man. And then as they enter the league, the NFL head coaches have to take that – not head coaches, but other coaches around them have to take that next step in the personal development of these individuals as they are still young. So while they may make a mistake once, that doesn't mean they're tainted and can't be better people. And so for me, that's really one of the bigger issues with Jack Easterby is the fact that we're going to go on this good boy, uh, you know, parade, and that's going to be it, that we're just going to have all the good guys with high character, and we're going to have Whitney Merciless until it's 2047, and he's still going to get 100% of the snaps. And that's my biggest concern with Jack Easterby. Jordan? Yeah, you guys hit it. You put the nail on the head. Um you can't have someone who doesn't understand football and have football knowledge running a football organization, especially if he is like the GM and there's no one else that's being hired. Cause right now there, we have a cap specialist and that's basically it. There is no one else. He is the sole voice. And if he doesn't know what the hell is going on, like he, Oh, thank you. <laughs> appreciate, appreciate you, Mike. Um, like I said, like, sorry, sorry, I didn't see that, but um, he has still been complacent with every decision that Bill O'Brien has made. Every decision that we clown Bill O'Brien for, personnel-wise, roster-wise, as the team, as the quote-unquote GM, Easterby is right there. He's his right-hand man. He was complacent with everything, and so he deserves the same amount of blame, and he deserves to be fired as well for doing the exact same job that Bill O'Brien has done. There's no reason, and I think it's unfortunate that you could be very right, James, that he is this very manipulative person and he's got Cal McNair wrapped around his finger and he's built up his trust. And I really hope that's not the case because he does not deserve to run the Houston Texans. I've got a, I've got a conspiracy theory. What do y'all think that uh, everything with Earl Thomas last week, there was any part of that created some of the drama? Um, so, I mean, I can I, I can say that uh, two players I talked to didn't want Earl Thomas on defense. Yeah, I think basically from what I'm getting, getting from gathering all the information that's put out there on Twitter and hearing what you guys got to say, basically the only person who wanted Earl Thomas was Bill O'Brien. That's what it sounds like. Janice didn't want him. The players didn't want him. Who else would have wanted him then? So I don't think that is going to happen. Um, the fact that he's not on any other team, I think, really shows what the league thinks of him, and I don't think he's gonna he's gonna be back for a workout even. Well, I wonder if that's when Easterby kind of used his moment to to truly divide himself from Bill O'Brien, because if you paid attention all summer and even going into the beginning of the season, those two are inseparable. They were both at every negotiation. Apparently, Easterby rode around on the golf cor- golf cart with O'Brien. Like, absolutely inseparable. And I wonder if that was his chance to kind of break it, to break it off. I don't know. This is conspiracy theory. doesn't really have to matter to do with something. But it does say that, goes back to what James said earlier, usually the Texans don't leak anything. And that whole story was leaked everywhere. 
And DeAndre didn't even talk about it. DeAndre basically like said, "I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm not like he he didn't put a, 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 a like a he didn't kill it, but he also didn't want to talk about it. And if he talked to Michael Irvin, like I don't know, there was a lot of other stories that came out too. And it's just like, man, that's so weird because we've always been very buttoned up since the Bill O'Brien era. Nothing ever leaked. We were so pissed because we never had any information. And then out of nowhere, 18 months later, boom. Dude, but, they helped the show. Like I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna say it selfishly this past." couple of months, like, all those leaks, they've definitely helped us out. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, yeah. All right, let's, uh, last question before we get into question and answers. Um, do you, uh, I'll start with you, Jordan. Do you think that Bill O'Brien's going to get another head coaching job? I think eventually he will. I think not the following, not after this season. I don't think so. I don't think the Jets, the Dolphins, not the Dolphins, whoever else, the Falcons, I don't think that they're going to give him a shot um, because of how kind of polarizing he has been and kind of the how power-hungry he seems. I think that's what's going to very much scare people off. Number one is the performance that he's put on the field, which, you know, some teams won't be, might be happy with four division titles. But number two is you don't you don't know if you can trust Bill O'Brien in your organization to try and climb up the ladder and try and take someone's job. And so I think that's going to scare a lot of organizations off and a lot of GMs off from potentially hiring him. So I don't think it'll be next year. It might honestly be two or three years before he gets a head coaching job. Um, I could see a team taking a chance on him as an offensive coordinator, as an offensive specialist or whatever they want to call it, call it because at the end of the day, he is from the New England Patriots coaching tree, and they've had success in the past, so maybe some team is going to buy into that and, and want to hire him. But I don't think for a while. John? Yeah, he's not going to get hired directly by a GM anywhere. I think that there's enough of the stories out there of him being backstabbing and, and power-hungry and the power struggles that no GM will hire him. Now, I think what will happen is he'll end up – on one of these Patriots assistants uh, coaching staffs, and he's likable. He is he he's a good coach when he doesn't take on the entire world, um, and he'll somehow get promoted from within. But I think that he'll end up being a coach somewhere because he he did show the ability to coach. He didn't necessarily show the ability to to, um, to grow. And we had talked about. At the end of last season, the biggest thing that Bill O'Brien needs, and I've talked about it multiple times on this podcast, is he needs he needs to be humbled. He needed somebody to humble, and this is going to hum- humble. And yeah, so I I can see it because the NFL always gives people another, chance. especially guy. I think he still ended up even leaving up with a winning record. So yeah, he'll he'll get another chance. Yeah, I think he'll get another chance. I don't know if it'll be next season. Um, you know, maybe he'll take an OC job, but, uh, you know, it depends on what jobs are available. I really hope that he doesn't take, like, the Jets job or or any of those things. I do think Bill O'Brien has – yeah, I agree, John. We we started this – we had this conversation when we first started the show four years ago. It was that we think he's a great coach, but he's going to be hum- have to be humbled before it can happen. It's not something that's just going to happen overnight. And uh, he's going to have to learn who to surround himself with and, and delegate. And hopefully he learned that here because he didn't do any of that. So, uh, I mean, he's a smart football mind. He just – he got in over his head. You know, he was trying to take on too much and wanted to be in control. So uh, a good leader is able to manage and delegate and manage the tasks 
and, and let their people be their people. And, um, you know, Bill O'Brien killed that part. So yeah, he just, he just compared Deshaun's rookie season to even last year, the year before you took the ability, he showed the ability to adapt and to improvise and to create a system that Deshaun could thrive in. And then his ego got in the way and he wanted to force Deshaun back into his box. So that's essentially the two faces. If, uh, if Bill O'Brien was two faced from Batman, there's the good face and the bad face right there in a nutshell. Just look at how they've treated Deshaun. Yeah. And he will never be in charge of personnel ever again. And I, I don't know how much he was actually in charge of personnel. I still think this guy played a really big part. I really do. But it is what it is. All right. Let's get to questions with Jordan. All right. So today's questions are going to. Followers, though. They're going to be so upset you didn't tweet it out. I couldn't. Yeah, today, today's questions are going to be coming from our, our lovely Patreon members. So if you want to get your questions answered, make sure to check out Texans Unfiltered on Patreon. Got a lot of great tiers and perks for you guys. And first one going to be coming from our boy Ryan Reyna. And he Yo. says, what was your favorite Texan moment and why was it the firing of Bill O'Brien, James? <laughs> um... <laughs> Trick question, Ryan. Um, my favorite moment would have to be when we drafted Deshaun Watson. Um, that's really the only moment that can come to mind for me. Um, and back to back, AFC South Champions is a great quote. You suck too, mother effer is, um, you know, might go down in history as it might end up being something we play on a regular basis and just have to mute it out because it's just, it's comedy. Um, but, you know, he did have some good moments. Um, there just weren't enough of them. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement. I think the happiest day is, is definitely Deshaun. I think, honestly, yesterday when it when we heard the news, we could top that. The day he locked in Deshaun for the next six years. Mm. Yeah, definitely a great day. That's that's our future. Um, but yeah, honestly, yesterday made me very close to as happy as I was when we drafted Deshaun because this was something that. I don't think a lot of us saw coming at the time that it did. And so for it to kind of come mid-season, it was just a wave of emotions and super happy. Um, what about you, John? It's it's weird because from a Texans Unfiltered podcaster um, and co-host, like we've had a lot of great moments because of the show and a lot of great things that have happened. And it's all based around the Texans. Yesterday was such a strange feeling when they let him go because we were all getting so mad. Like you could see it in our, you could see it in our Slack channel. You could, <laughs> again, you could see it in my Twitter feed. I never tweet like that. Um, just that built up anger at O'Brien because he had lost it and you could see that he had lost the team and you knew he had to go. And as being a Texans fan, we see these things coming miles down the road, but it, nothing ever happens. So the fact that Cal actually had the balls to do it, and to do it quickly and make it that decisive call. Like, part of me was just over the moon, excited that we finally have a decisive, an absolutely decisive ownership, and somebody made a decision and did it when it needed to be done, and they didn't let fester. And I loved that. I, I, I really did. Like, I was just, I was happy about it, because I get that Bob McNair wanted to build up something like the Steelers. He wanted to only have, he wanted to have as few coaches as possible. He was going to give them 
all the time in the world to fail or succeed. Like, that's what he wanted to build up. Eventually, guys would get better at their job. Like, they would continue to grow. Well, Bill O'Brien didn't grow. So you could see the flaw in that that thinking. So, yeah, the fact that he was let go, I, I can't believe how happy I was. But from, I mean, recency bias, when we were all together and we watched the game all together um, against the Bills, because there were so many people that I've met through this podcast, and that playoff game was so much fun. And it was such special because of the community we we built, um, which is why we watch sports is to have friends, to build community, to have people, to have fun. And that right there, that playoff game with all the Texans, people that unfiltered people, listeners that drove up here to Round Rock to watch it, like that was pretty special. John's over here, definitely. Me emotional. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question from the lead. I want to know what your guys' breaking point for you as fans was to fire Bill O'Brien. For me, it was it was the Chiefs' loss, and then, again, the Vikings' loss. They kind of had two, but what were your guys'? Jane, uh, John? Uh, the Chiefs' playoff loss when we lost by – we built up a 24 lead and we couldn't hold on to it. Um, at that point, the writing was on the wall. Like, you just knew that Bill O'Brien wasn't going to be the guy to get us over the hump. There's – like – I talked about it last week about the uh, you have five years of a quarterback. Um, no coach that has been with uh, with his team for more than five years has won a Super Bowl. No coach quarterback combination that have been together for more than five years has won a Super Bowl, um, won their first Super Bowl or made their first appearance. And I said right after we lost lost that game that Bill O'Brien's not going to do it, and I was convinced then, and I. I softened a little bit on it because I knew we were stuck with him, but at that point, that's when I wanted changes. James? Yeah, I think uh, if I'm being honest with myself, uh, you know, before the before the season even began last year, that whole wild card game for me was very eye opening. I know the 24-0 loss was, or the you know up 24-0 loss is something to stick with, but man, that wild card game against the Colts, I just recently watched like a couple months ago, and it was just uh, pathetic. I mean, there's really no other word. I mean, it was an awful, awful, awful game. I mean, we got destroyed by a team that was not as talented as us, and uh, I think that for me is where I really knew that I wanted O'Brien gone, but I could, I just couldn't come out and do it. Maybe it was just, like I said, just because he came on the show, and to me that meant a lot, but, um, yeah. All right, all right. So the lead also wants to know, so we, we know our breaking point. What do you guys think was Cal's breaking point? What was instrumental to Bill Ryan being fired? Was it maybe J.J. Watt speaking out? Was it the DeAndre Hopkins trade, or was it really the 0-4 start to the season? Start with you, James. It was when Jack Easterby went to Cal McNair brought up his favorite latte and told him that Did he rubbed his feet? Yeah, no, he rubbed his feet. He he wrote a segue up to the top of NRG, brought the oils. Um and uh, you know, no, to be honest, like, I really think that that's how it worked. I really think that he went and he presented a plan. I think he put together a, he, he he looks like a a presentation guy. He put together a slide deck. Uh, showed kind of what happened in the offseason because Cal wasn't aware. He probably thought DeAndre Hopkins was still a Texan, probably had no idea that he wasn't. 
Um, let him know, like, hey, Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins, and all we got was the second-round pick and David Johnson. Uh, then he made a trade for Brandon Cooks. Um, he paid Eric Murray way too much money, uh, paid Randall Cobb way too much money, and then he signed Whitney Merciless to an extension. And uh, we have no draft picks, and I don't know how we're going to do any of this, but actually, hold on, I got another presentation. Here's how we're going to do this. And uh, presented a plan, and Cal said, yeah, you're right, this is how we're going to do it. That's what I honestly believe in my mind actually happened. All right, next one uh, we got from Voodoo Mama Juju. What changes, uh, personnel, or X's and O's are you watching for on Sunday against the Jags? John, what you we kind of answered this, but real quick, what are you looking for? I'm terrified. <laughs> um, I'm absolutely terrified because I have no idea what to expect. Best of all worlds, we see more mobile pockets. We see more motion. We see more defined throws. Um, you know, the things from Deshaun's rookie season when he lit the world on fire. What we're going to actually see, I don't know, and I'm terrified. And I'm absolutely terrified. Like, I, I can't even tell y'all how scared I am. Because our play calling was so bad this year. Like, that's not sugarcoating it. Everyone out here knows it. Or there is no way to sugarcoat it. Anybody that watches football knows it. You could tell the broadcast crews were just having a field day with it with the Vikings, and that was probably the the best called game. And that's not saying much. That really isn't saying much because he was still bound and determined to run it up the gut every two other play. Um, so I'm I'm scared. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah, fair enough. For me, I think I just want to see Deshaun have one of his games where he just throws as many touchdowns as he has in completions and the team goes off for 40 yards like I th- or 40 points like I just think that's what we need right now to keep the keep the good juju going um that would, I would love that to happen because that last Viking games when I was rewatching it it hurt to see him play the way that he did and I think he honestly did it to get Bill O'Brien out the door I'm all full aboard on that conspiracy theory because he did not look like regular Deshaun Watson and so I want to see him get back to the quarterback type of caliber quarterback that we know that he is um, and the Jags are a perfect team to do that against. Okay, next one from Electrical Engine Nerd. He says, offensive play calling, more passing plays, maybe some design quarterback. Oh, sorry, he was just answering the question above. Um, next one from 00Tux Given. Is DeAndre Carter officially done? You got to think Kiki QT will get another shot now. Um, regarding the, he had another fumble, James. How do, you, how do you feel about Carter? I mean, DeAndre Carter is trash. He should be gone. I want Tyler Simmons back ASAP. I could care less if we spend all season trying a different returner every single game. I'm totally fine with that. Find somebody that can be dynamic, that can return punts, and is a threat to take it all the way whenever the ball is in his hands. He's not going to every time, but it has the ability to be able to do so because DeAndre Carter is not that guy. Great dude, but not that guy. Yeah, um, I think I said over the offseason, but Carter is honestly a better wide receiver than he is a return man, and that's not saying a whole lot. Um, But some other guys that, yeah, like you said, Cobb, maybe to try out Duke Johnson. I will try anyone else. I'll try. I'll throw Brennan Scarlett out there, P.J. Hall. Let them catch the ball. They're not going to fumble it. Um, Anyone but DeAndre Carter. He shouldn't be on this team anymore, unfortunately. Um, All right, next one. 
From our very own Preston, thank you very much for the question. He says, did Deshaun mail it in on Sunday to get Bill O'Brien out of town as fast as possible? I'm I'm very in favor of this theory. I want to hear what you got to say about that, John. Well, I mean, his comment at during the press conference, you're not going to take away my joy. I I don't know. I mean, I think that Deshaun's too much of a competitor. But at the same time, I think that they all kind of knew. Um, I didn't get a chance to answer this question. I think that Cal McNair told Bill O'Brien after he traded Hopkins that this better work, and that's why his leash was so short. And to come out the first three games and for our offense to look the way that it did, I think it was a very open secret that Bill O'Brien was playing for his job. And there was obviously frustration with how the game was being called. So I don't think that Deshaun threw the game because I don't think that that's in his blood to throw a game. But he maybe was a little bit frustrated. as He was playing like somebody was in his head. And I said that over Slack, and everybody assumed it was the other drama that I was talking about. And I, that's not. Deshaun looked like somebody that's been overcoached, overyelled at. Like somebody has fussed at him so much that when he used to just instinctively take off and run or instinctively extend a play, he was thinking instead of just going off his instincts. And I think that that was just the breaking point for him against the Vikings. It's like you could see it kind of break something into Sean. And I think Cal even saw it, and that's why things were done as quickly as they were. So hopefully we can get Deshaun back on track. Yeah, you said it pretty perfectly. Um, we only got one question left, so I want to hear, James, your your thoughts on this theory as well. Um, I was watching the Laker game, so I wasn't paying attention in class. Forgot they're playing. Oh, uh, so please repeat your question, oh. uh, Professor. Um, basically, do you think that Bill, that Deshaun Watson mailed it in against the Vikings um, to get Bill O'Brien out the door? Um, I think ultimately Deshaun Watson is probably one of the bigger competitors in the time that I've watched sports, which has been a long time. And I don't think he mailed it in. I don't think he threw those passes in the dirt on purpose. I don't think he went out to have a bad game. I think it was more mental for him. I think he, maybe he was conflicted. Maybe, you know, maybe he just had some mental lapses. Maybe he didn't feel 100% confident. Maybe he was uncomfortable with the situation he was in uh, with Bill O'Brien, in regards to Bill O'Brien. Um, but he's he's the ultimate competitor. You know, I've compared him to Kobe Bryant for the last couple of years. And I know for a fact Kobe Bryant would never mail in a game. Um, and if you look at what how he played in the second half, it, he looked as if he was playing to win. And for me, that's kind of what, what tells me that he didn't mail it in for Bill O'Brien to get fired. That's just my thought, though. I could be totally wrong. Yeah, yeah, I see both sides for sure. All right, last one from Michael Mon six two four. He says, "Does Bill O'Brien getting fired basically mean that Kahale Waring is finally getting the boots?" Perfect to end it on, James. Is he gone? I mean, I don't know if he's gone, and he's probably this is his second year, so he'll probably have a chance next year. But there's no tight end one snaps for him. I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't know why people. Love this dude in, in, in water polo shorts and 
no shirt. Like we're all grown men. I'm not really sure what your infatuation is with with Kahale wearing, but Jordan Higgins is tight end one. It's literally been cemented. There's no there's no debate that can come up. Am I wrong? I mean, y'all tell me, but Jordan Akins is tight end number one. He's tight end one this season. I think Kahale would be good to get to see, to finally see what he can do on the field, throw him a little bit of the snaps. He's definitely not going to take over the role from Akins, but I think it is something that we need to see because he's someone that we kept over Jordan Thomas. We did invest a, a pretty premium draft pick in a third round in him, so I get where the dude is coming from. Um, at least throw him out there for a couple games, see what he's got. But, yeah, his future with the Texans is, is not set in stone whatsoever. I think he's going to be gone. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's see, I had another question. Um, oh, can we talk about Dabo before we get out of here? <sighs> I don't get the infatuation with Dabo. What does Dabo do well apart from having coached Deshaun Watson? Apart from that, their their relationship together – he is the most overhyped coaching candidate for the Texans, in my opinion. Number one, I don't know if he's going to want to leave Clemson. Number two, you can't point to, like, all these other guys we talked about, Biennemi, Dabo, Salah, you can all point to what they do well, what they specialize in, what they bring. And the one thing that I've heard an argument for Dabo is his culture. I, I don't want his culture one bit. He's a snake as well. Um, yeah, what do you guys think? John? I'm gonna I'm gonna second that with Jordan. What Dabo does extremely well is he's a recruiter. He is the perfect recruiter for 17 or 18 year olds. He wraps he wraps it in his Christianity, and that's fine for Clemson, South Carolina. That's not gonna translate well into the NFL. First off, at that point, these guys are no longer kids; they're men. They probably don't want to go to church every single day. And this is not an insult to anybody's faith. Um, I just don't think that most people do. Um, and Dabo, who is he going to recruit? You recruit in the NFL with money. Like, he's not going to be able to do what he's absolutely best at, and that's recruit. Now, he may be able to recruit great assistant coaches. Like, that would be the only reason to hire him. And so he can do exactly what he does at Clemson. He sits there and he claps, and then he goes and visits all the recruits' houses. And, again, that's perfect for college. He's doing great things in college. I, You look at Nick Saban, who was actually a defensive mastermind, but his system did not work in the NFL. It works great in college, but it didn't work in the NFL. And he actually knows how to coach a defense. So I don't I, – I get the infatuation because Dabo has won a lot of games. He took an underachieving program in Clemson, and he's made them into something. And that's painful for me to say as a Gamecock. It's extremely painful for me to say, and he's done a hell of a job. And my Gamecock fandom, that's killing two birds in one stone. He leaves Clemson, he comes here, hopefully he improves the Texans, because I do think he would cause an improvement. I just don't think that he's going to be a great NFL coach. But granted, he'd be better than what we currently have. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, I've heard so many things from players that played at Clemson don't have nice things to say about this dude. And I mean things that, like, really should not be, like, no man should say to another man. And I have no faith in Dabo Sweeney from a culture perspective with grown men. And, John, you hit on it. It's grown men. We're not talking about kids anymore. You're not selling the dream anymore. 
You're not motivating in the sense like the NFL is not about motivating and getting done. It's about getting paid. And uh, Dabo is Jack Easterby's brother, in my opinion. I don't want two of those guys on my team. I don't want two of those guys in my organization. If if there's two of those, then this organization goes down in massive, massive flames because they will be going back and forth doing whatever they can, and uh, it's a bad situation. Also, real quick, the the the, the offensive coordinator in Seattle, like uh, Jordan, I don't understand how anybody would want that dude on this team. I don't know why anybody would even want to interview him as a head coach. Freaking the worst offensive coordinator in the NFL. They literally had to tweet, let Russ cook to get him to pass the ball. There is no way that this guy is coming anywhere near my quarterback. Yeah, if we think Bill O'Brien runs the ball a lot, look at Brian Schottenheimer's offense before this, just this past season. They were always among the highest. I think it was always among the top three running teams without beast mode with Russ there and just not using him to his skill set. So I don't, I don't, I'm not, I can't be entirely confident that his new scheme this year is what he's going to carry over to the Texans or if he's going to go back to what he's always been comfortable with, with running the ball. So that's why I don't really like him. Yeah, that's, that's my biggest thing. And then also, um, oh God, there was something else I was going to say. and I forgot what it was. I don't know. All right. Um, if you guys didn't notice, make sure you guys go to uh, manscaped.com. Use a promo code TEXANS for 20% off your first order. Uh, we appreciate it for everybody. Thank you, Manscaped, for giving us the opportunity to be able to, uh, to uh, promote your product and, and partner with us. We really appreciate that. So make sure you guys do that. The description will be in the YouTube video as well. Uh, guys, anything else before we get out of here? This is a long episode, a lot of talk about Bill O'Brien. We're back to our normal schedule next week. We'll just do our normal podcast as if it was as if we had a head coach. But uh, Jordan, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, twelve and zero, rest of the way. Not dropping another game. Let's do it. I just want to give a shout out to everybody in chat. Chat has been lively and wonderful tonight. Thank y'all so much for. For joining us for the live stream, if you're listening to this on the podcast, like you should come and experience it at least once. Chat's awesome. Chat is awesome. And make sure you guys take advantage of that super chat function. I know a couple people do, but that's what that's there for. So, uh, all right, guys. Well, um, I'm James. Uh, young Ari Gold is dead now. Uh, he died with Bill O'Brien. So I'm James. I killed my alter ego. And, um, yeah, we will catch you guys next week on Texans Unfiltered. And we appreciate you all support. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. And everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time. <laughs>